595 yards, 42 points, and another big win for Mel Tucker in Michigan State. The Spartans moved to 2-0 with a convincing 42-14 win over FCS Youngstown State at Spartan Stadium on Saturday. We were there, along with more than 70,000 of our closest friends. Uh, the win sets up another massive road test for the Spartans as they get ready to take their talents to South Beach. We'll break it all down on episode 47 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on a rainy September 13th, 2021. Lots to get to today, fellas. The the home opener went about how we expected. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but Kyle, I'll, I'll start with you. Were you surprised there were that many fans in attendance? I was a little surprised. I mean, I was I was wondering how many people would really want to sit in a, in a college football stadium, you know, uh, shoulder to shoulder with that many people. But um, they they pretty much uh, pretty close to pack it. I think they announced 70,000. I think they were pretty close to that. Uh, students especially. Like, that was the best student showing I've seen in a while. Um, I'm not sure that'll hold up through the whole season. But um, students were there. Uh, everyone else was there, um, and it, it was nice to, to see everything pretty close to back to normal. Matt, other than lamenting game times, uh, how was your return to the Spartan Stadium press box? Oh, it was fine. You know, I was driving in my route, um, which takes me on Kalamazoo before turning at Breslin. I thought there was, you know, at just about three hours before the game, I thought there was more traffic than I remembered coming into the stadium since think the Michigan game in 18 uh, I could be wrong I could be forgetting about something but that's just what it felt like it usually doesn't take me much but a lot of a lot of foot traffic a lot of tailgaters there's people still tailgating when I left um so yeah it was I thought it was a good atmosphere um kind of echo what Kyle said I thought there were more a few more people that showed up than I would have expected I don't say I don't, I don't know that I'd believe 71 103 and then you know tickets sold type of thing but I they were pretty close to that I think so that was a pretty uh pretty good showing and yeah the students uh students came out yeah and we're, we're going to discuss a little bit more of our game day atmosphere observations sort of some changes that were hinted at and some changes that were confirmed uh in a little bit here um you know obviously the first game at Spartan Stadium in quite some time so uh to, I was kind of curious to see how it would uh shake out there uh first we're going to get to the stuff on the field but if you could please like rate and review the podcast uh we very much appreciated really wherever you're listening so we got a couple more uh, nice reviews so whoever left those we we really appreciate that really helps the podcast grow helps people find it uh you can hit us up on twitter or via email um if you have any questions or comments um and also check out our work at mlive.com spartans we would very much appreciate it so let's get to the game. Uh, pretty much shuck out how we how we thought it was going to. 42-14, Michigan State in control right from the opening jump. As I said, 595 yards of offense. Jaden Reed goes off. Uh, we get to see uh, some of the other younger running backs in action. Uh, but Matt, if if uh, the Spartans don't come out and score on the first play of the game down in Miami, we're just going to call a game a failure, right? Well, Jaden Reed said that's now the new goal to score on the first play. Uh... So I don't think that's obviously a realistic goal, but yeah, as far as, um, you know, going as expected, I would say so minus, you know, dialing up a flea flicker on the first play, which uh, Xavier Henderson, I think had the uh, quote of the day when he said, uh, coach tucks crazy when he, when he saw that. So that was pretty, pretty funny, but no good play design. I mean, with all the, the attention Walker gets for his week one performance, you know, they're loading up against the run, give him the ball, the safety bites on it. And oops so 
Um, yeah, great play to call just right off the bat. And, you know, obviously set the tone and, and big day for Jaden Reed. Um, I thought Peyton Thorne was outstanding. That was easily his best game um, of the only, what, three starts he's made. But uh, he was really good, really efficient. No turnovers for the second week in a row for him. Four touchdowns, plus he ran for one. Um, threw the ball in the money. He was really good. Um, again, Reed, explosive. You know, he didn't get touched on either of those touchdown passes or catches. The, the second one was, you know, perfectly thrown ball by Thorne. Um, I guess the surprise was mild surprise, uh, you know, for Walker to kind of be, you know, he got the start. He was out there the first two, three, whatever it was, series four maybe. Um, but, you know, seven carries. You know, they, you know, lo- lessened the workload on him, which, you know, is probably a smart thing long run. And and Jordan Simmons got the chance to, to uh, come in and shine. And he did a good, you know, very good job, career high in uh, carries and yards, first 100-yard game. Um, liked what we saw of Elijah Collins for one series. You know, he finally got in there. He had he got the ball. They, they started on the Youngstown State side of the field. He had three straight runs. Picked up 32 yards. Then he has the touchdown on the screen pass. Then he goes out injured and was wearing the boot on his left foot um, on the sideline in the second half. So we'll see if Mel provides an update for him uh, tomorrow when we talk to him. He didn't have one after the game, but you know you hope it's nothing long term for a guy like that who you know the struggles last year after getting COVID and you know finally thinks he was ready to be himself again this year and looked really good in a, in a short little window and and then he got hurt. So um, yeah, uh, offensively you know they're just I mean, it's just silly. I know it's only two games, and I know one of those games against Youngstown State, but to see the difference in, in the running game, particularly from last year, is just, you know, it's not even the same team. We'll see how it continues, but, you know, go back to last year, 122nd in the country, 91.4 yards per game, zero touchdowns by the running backs, 2.7 yards per carry. They're now sixth in the nation, rushing at 299 yards a game, eight yards a carry, uh, six rushing touchdowns with five of them from the running backs. You know, that's a pretty remarkable turnaround in a year. Um, so we'll see if they can keep it up. Yeah. I almost thought that they were, it almost seemed like they were trying to kind of fill in the gaps on offense, if that made sense. Like, like the only things that they didn't do against Northwestern, it seemed like they made kind of a conscious effort to do against Youngstown state. You know, you open up with the deep ball. That was kind of the one, maybe the one thing missing against Northwestern, if you want to nitpick um, and that Peyton Thorne was the first one to say that he said, I, I didn't connect on my deep ball. So you, you start out first play of the game. And then again, in the first half, have him throwing deep balls, get him, some confidence there and get that aspect of your run game go of your passing game going. And then, you know, on the run, I mean, no complaints about what Kenneth Walker did, but I think the coaching staff really values that running back depth. So I, that seemed like the effort, you know, this week, I think Kenneth Walker probably could have gone for 200 if they wanted him to, but it seemed like they made an effort to get Jordan Simmons, um, some reps, get him some confidence. And it, um, it's like, all right, what didn't we do against Northwestern? Let's make a point to do it against Youngstown State, and that seems like what they did. Yeah, I mean, I, he, from the fan standpoint, you had uh, you know, some people sitting around me started freaking out because Kenneth Walker wasn't in the game. You know, oh, is he injured? Is he hurt? I'm just like, nah, they don't need him versus Youngstown State. I didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't see any injury. They, they don't need him against them. Good to just get him some work. And my gosh, some of the runs he had in that game. Uh, I mean, everyone's seen the screenshots of the one that went for like 21 and he juked about three guys out of their shoes. He's got like, like half the Youngstown state defense around him and still makes guys miss. I mean, Kenneth Walker, I mean, he only flashed, obviously we got to see more of Simmons, but like he's making moves and cuts that like we haven't seen a, a Michigan state running back do 
really, I mean, he maybe Langford was obviously really good, but I didn't see him with this kind of vision and cuts. He was more of a straight downhill runner. Uh, it's Le'Veon Bell-esque in the way he runs. So um, it's really nice to see. I saw the offensive line, Matt, to your point. I think pro, fo- pro football focus rated them as the second highest unit uh, in the country. Obviously, they're playing an FCS opponent, but that's just it's just huge to see. I mean, as we talked about nonstop in the lead up to the season, if this if Michigan State was going to make any sort of progress this year, it was going to start up front with improved play on the offensive line. And, you know, just two games, one FCS opponent. But it really is great to see if you're a Michigan State fan, because it could be a sign of good things to happen in the future. Yeah. And the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, rotations continue to be to be interesting, you know, with. Uh, you know, they went with primarily with nine guys against Northwestern. It was basically the same deal um, against Youngstown State, with the exception there were a few new wrinkles. We saw Jarvis back at right tackle, um, and we saw Curry back at left tackle for it flashes um, at times. So, yeah, I mean, good, obviously improved play up there. They've got the bodies. They're rotating them in. They had some guys banged up temporarily in the game, um, both Horst and Curry, and there might even been another guy who went out for briefly. I can't even remember, but. Um, depth's going to be important and, and, um, they're showing it so far. And defensively, uh, obviously, a you know, really solid performance overall. Let's see how holding, uh, I mean, 304 yards given up, but you know, a lot of backups in the game at times. I think the first touchdown that Youngstown scored might've been completely against the second unit or close to it. Um, but Xavier Henderson, man, that, that pick, uh, channeling, uh, Curtis Drummond against Western a couple of years ago. This one, this one might even have been better. I mean, this, this pick Spartans put it out in slow-mo up there. I mean, I've watched it like 20 times, like Xavier Henderson's turning into one of the best safeties in America. As far as I'm concerned, he seems like it's a guy, like, I think I wrote this in the post after the game. It's like the, the Kari Willis, like senior season where, you know, you're good, you know, you're solid. And then all of a sudden as a senior, you really step up and, you know, that was his predecessor at the position. It was a guy that he leaned on you know, two years before he was even on campus, as far as talking to him or whatever that was, it was a while. And so, yeah, I think you're, I think there's obviously some good things to see from him. He also had the sack. Um, He had funny quotes, obviously about his interception. He, he credited his new gloves and and them being sticky, but uh, Xavier's doing a good job. And and Mel after the game is like, you know, I, did I expect him to make that play? No, but I expected him to be in position to make a play. And, you know, he was the, Going into the season, you know, he was the uh, the veteran, the, the leader in the secondary. And, um, yeah, he's stepping up and sh- showing it. And, you know, he's playing really well. Matt, Matt, what did you make of them changing a cornerback? You know, if we're going to nitpick here and find things yeah. that we talk about, you know, they go away from Ronald Williams um, to Chester Kimbrough. Um, you know, a lot of Chuck Brantley early, you know, two freshmen there, which I think is surprising. I mean, do they have the dude? I mean, do you, do you feel like we they have the dude at cornerback at this point? Do, is it too early to know? Too early to know. I I was more surprised that we didn't see that week one, but maybe week one, you know, at Northwestern, they haven't, they were like, all right, we got it, you know, we, Gervin and, and Williams, these are the guys that are, we're going to ride with. And that was what they did. I was surprised we didn't see, you know, the other, you know, Brantley. I was more surprised we didn't see Kimbrough really week one, but uh, I think it's performance based. I mean, Williams got beat for a long ball at Northwestern. He got beat for a touchdown. I'm not saying he can't be a, a good player here. You know, anybody who comes from Alabama, you should you should want to get them on your team. But um, yeah, you know, he struggles bringing the next guy in, and and we still saw a good amount of Ronald Williams on on Saturday. We just, to your point, yeah, they, they mixed it up. You know, Gervin played a lot. 
Williams and Kimbrough were switching in there. We saw Brantley out there a good amount, and, and they, the combinations changed. And I think, yeah. um, you know, with he, all the he, was out, he was out there early too. Like, before yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. I just, I just think they're figuring out what they got, you know, because you know, Gervin was your lone scholarship guy coming back. That that, that was really my only question. I thought the I thought the front seven looked really good. I think they have they've had great safety play from two really solid guys. That's really kind of my only question right now on their defense. And, and it makes sense to get more guys in there against a team like Youngstown State. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know if we would see – we have seen a lot of shuffling, I guess, early on. But if you're looking to, you know, maybe you think you got a lot of guys that can play and you're trying to shake it out to see who should get the most reps as we get deeper into the season, uh, Youngstown State is a pretty good spot to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, not a ton to talk about in this game. Michigan State basically taking care of business. But I guess it's good to see them, uh, you know, put up a score like this uh, rather than, you know, struggle with a team for a half. I mean, because we saw Florida State lost to Jacksonville State on the last play of game, FCS team. We saw Cincinnati tied it with Murray State at halftime. They ended up blowing them out. But, like, these FCS games don't always – go like just straight domination by the by the you know the by the fps team so it's good to see michigan state come out and take care of business right from literally right from the jump um but mel seemed mostly happy afterwards i'm guessing or did was he doing one of those like looking for looking for uh you know nitpicks to motivate his team or was he pretty positive no i mean he he was you know obviously happy with the performance so there's obviously things they need to get better at but i think it was mostly positive um, I thought there was a telling quote that came out of the in-house produced video that I think they put up yesterday, you know, and there's audio over Mel's pregame speech. And he's saying, you know, basically it's not good enough at Michigan state just to win. It's how you win. So you know, want to make a point, want to send a statement. And, and I think obviously the, you know, the fast starts stand out the first two weeks, they went up 21, nothing at Northwestern in, in the uh, second quarter, I think it was midway through or whatever. And they were up 28 nothing um, on Youngstown State on Saturday. So you're, you're obviously not going to see that continue the, the entire season or else you know, that would be something. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's important. Take care of, you know, take care of business early and, and don't let this game hang around to the fourth quarter. That way you can maybe be more free to mix up these guys, get more playing time and really see what you got, get some of these other guys experience. I, I don't remember that being a sentiment really under the previous uh, administration. Obviously they won a ton of games that take, take nothing away from them, but I don't remember, you know, any of that sort of sentiment. And I mean, that's, I mean, obviously you expect them to beat Youngstown state, but it felt like it didn't happen a whole lot in the last years of the Antonio era that you really just right from the start, beat a team, you know, it seemed like even the inferior teams, they were slogging against a lot because they couldn't score, you know, um, Illinois in 2000 and, uh, 19, right? Isn't yeah, that right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that was at like 35 to seven or something. And then, yeah. Ended up blue. Oh my God. Yeah. Why you got to exactly. bring that up, Matt? This is <laughs> that's, 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 heavy that's, times. that's in my mind. That was like the last time they really got a jump on a team before this season. I think and, uh, maybe I'm that was the game. And I've, I've said it on Twitter before, but that was the game where I became convinced that it was probably time for D'Antonio to let someone else take over the reins because you know, they had just been spiraling at that point, you know, toiling in mediocrity. And then that win that I was kind of pushing back against the D'Antonio's got to go people. And I kind of joined him after that one. Uh, but we don't need to talk about that. That's sad stuff. We're <laughs> on to 2021. Uh, but speaking of 2019, that was the last time fans were allowed in Spartan mm-hmm. Stadium until Saturday. Um, so I think we should touch on, you know, sort of the game day uh, environment. We sort of touched on the, on the crowd being bigger than we thought. But uh, Alan Haller had hinted at game day changes. 
We saw Kyle, I, you kind of like just threw it out there last pod that maybe Thunderstruck was going to get retired uh, as the runout song. And sure enough, you know, a couple hours or a day later, uh, Michigan State's out here teach, you know, uh, teasing swag surfing as the new runout. We uh, noticed a lot, and I mean a lot more hip hop playing through the loudspeakers at Spartan Stadium on breaks. Uh, you know, Boomer Radio, as I call it, uh, was sort of replaced with the new age uh, uh, hip-hop music. And I, you know, just scouring the message boards today, uh, some people weren't too pleased with it, uh, with the new DJing at Spartan Stadium. You got all the young kids like me pushing back. Uh, you know, a lot of get-off-my-lawn people out there today. Um, so that was a big noticeable change uh, was the music playing in the stadium. But from from uh, as far as I'm concerned, it was pretty awesome just being back in there, seeing the fans going crazy. And that kind of stuff's for the kids and for the student section to keep the energy up. And I think some people miss that. Uh, but what were just some of your guys' observations from uh, the return to Spartan Stadium? Um, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't notice any of that stuff. I'm <laughs> well, you're too busy. I'm too busy working. <laughs> I've got. You know, the game, uh, I've got it playing on my laptop, the TV feed, so I've got an earbud in one ear. I'm constantly picking up and down binoculars, going between Twitter and writing stuff. I don't notice any of that crap. I mean, I noticed the intro was booted. I thought they give them credit for being kind of a smartass about it and doing the uh, um, playing Thunderstruck for 10 seconds or so and then bringing up the uh, the error message, the computer error message on the scoreboard. So that was probably a good way to do it. Give Give Thunderstruck one last uh, ray of sunshine and then, you know, send it out to pasture. So as far as that stuff, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever fans like and the players like, um, go for it. If, if some older fans don't like the change in music, whatever, get over it. If the team's winning, you should be happy. They have been blasting dad rock through those speakers through three decades. All right, okay? all right. It's time right. for a change. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and let this podcast be against ACDC, though. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm not again. I got no issues with ACDC. It's. Just... I am. A, I do. I don't think I'm good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my dad was. We were driving over there, and my dad goes, "That guy cannot sing. He's just screeching." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Jish, what's with all the ACDC hate?" At the, but I know at, at the risk of you calling me a boomer. I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, I, I like ACDC, and and you know, exposed to this new age stuff. I don't know. Um, whatever, whatever, the kid, whatever the kids like, I guess I'm not going to get as worked up about it as your friends on the message board. There, Brandon. Some are I'm so gonna, angry. They're like, I'm it's not going to celebrate. Yeah, no, it's loud. It's, it's annoying. And I'm just like, guys, like it's for the kids. It's to keep the atmosphere mm. up. There's a new coach in town. He's obviously going to be embracing this stuff. It's about the atmosphere. I think people are just so resistant to change sometimes. And it's really just music. It's to keep people excited. Just roll with it. To be fair, I think they could work a little bit more uh, rock country in there just to keep people happy. But these get off my lawn people are the same people who won't stand up on third or fourth down. And the, there's nothing worse than sit down guy or lady uh, yelling at you when it's a big play. Like it's a football game, not a morgue. I'm sorry. Like, I tell you what, <laughs> I would notice if they played country because that's far worse than ACDC. If you want to talk about the worst intolerable music. I can't stand country, so they can keep that on the sidelines at every stadium. Ever. I will say Spartan Stadium needs a tutorial on the whole swag surfing thing if they really want people to. This, I didn't notice if the students were doing it because I sit on the same side as the students. But the old, if they want people to actually be like swaying and stuff and have these grand visions of the whole stadium doing that, uh, that might take a couple years to convince people to uh, do that. But yeah, they, uh, do but, need, they do need to workshop that a little bit, I thought. Yeah. 
Eh, it's exciting to see Mel open to changes, though. But uh, we probably should stop talking about the music and talk about the COVID impact at the game because obviously, you know, there's 70,000 people there. Uh, what the Michigan State's official policy was wear masks on the concourse and not you could you didn't have to out on the stadium, which I didn't really understand. But as someone uh, who is right down in there in the crowd, lower bowl and who was on the concourse nonstop, I can tell you that the whole mask on the concourse thing was very much hit or miss. You're probably looking at, I don't know, maybe 60, 40 people who were just not following the policy. Even the cops who were down there were not wearing masks on the concourse. So I don't know if that's just supposed to be like some sort of uh, suggestion that they want to enforce, but I don't know how you would even go about enforcing it when you're not making people wear masks out in the stadium and you're making them wear it on the concourse they're kind of like the same thing in a lot of ways. So tricky issue here if they actually want to enforce it. But on Saturday, at least I didn't see a whole lot of that. Well, let me ask you this. I didn't, I didn't enter through a, a fan gate, but, but do you have to be wearing a mask to walk through a gate to go in? Nobody was. No? Okay. Nobody that, that, was, that was really. my only, that was my question. It's like, you know, that, that's the only time you could really enforce it, you know, put it on or don't get in. But once you're in, yeah. you're right. I mean, you're not going to throw well, anybody out if you're not wearing it on the concourse. So, right. I guess when you were in line, people were wearing them because that was kind of like the expected thing. But you would see people walk in, take them off. And that was that. I mean, it's just I guess the way I look at it is like if you're already willing to go to a stadium, you know, a lot of people are probably vaccinated. So obviously not all. Um, I think you're already accepting that there is a risk of going to a football game with 70,000 people. So I guess I just don't, you know, really see the point of the whole because is the concourse really inside anyways? So it's just kind of like, I mean, it's a gray area. I mean, we've seen a handful of schools go the um, go the route of mandating vaccinations or tests. I, I, I didn't expect Michigan State to do that. Um, it certainly would be a pretty responsible thing to do. But, you know, I don't think they would have gotten sold 71,000 tickets if that was going to be the policy. So that seems to me like the decision you're making if you're Michigan State or any of these other big time football schools. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how you enforce you. <laughs> The number of people you would have to hire and deploy on game day to try and enforce mask wearing within the concourse and, and all that stuff would would be a lot. And quite frankly, those people, it, it shouldn't be put on them. And I, I don't know how you really do that. It's, it's a tough position to be in. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can tell you, Kyle and I were, were sitting in the press box. We had masks on the entire day, just like, uh, you know, everybody else up there. So. I, don't know. I wasn't out there in the crowd. I don't, I didn't get a sense of that. I can tell you people weren't really wearing them. <laughs> I can tell you from where I, I was I, at. It was, I don't yeah. doubt it. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's whatever I'm, I mean, I wasn't wearing one that, that includes me. So, uh, you know, I'm not really trying to hate on people for not doing it. Just trying to give people an idea um, of what the scene looked like. You know, if you were thinking about maybe going to a future game, I wouldn't expect, I would not expect mask wearing to be a thing. I guess I'm just trying to tell people that. So uh, that's enough of that. Is there anything else about the game day or you want to move on to Miami? Uh, you know, just the basketball, you know, I got to get my basketball. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good quick segment. And they had the big reunion weekend. Um, you know, if you were there, you saw, you know, Draymond and um, Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges and uh, Brent Forbes, you know, a whole bunch of other guys, you know, there on the sideline. There were. They were on the video board at one point. And, um, you know, one of the cooler things I think you see from the basketball program, uh, just the number of not just alums, but big name alums, you know, guys active in the NBA, um, 
or recently, you know, recent um, guys who have been in the program. And um, I, I think it, I think it kind of shows a lot about that program that they get those guys back and then it's a big deal to them. And then, um, you know, practically speaking, it's always a big recruiting weekend um, because that's what they want to showcase. And, you know, they had Jackson Kohler. We, I think we talked about him a pod or two ago, uh, mm-hmm. forward prospect from Utah. He was, you know, there on an official uh, Ty Rogers from, you know, Grand Blank, top rated player in Michigan. He was there. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, I know there's a little bit of worry right now about the state of Michigan State's recruiting, but um, had a big recruiting weekend with a lot to showcase with, with two senior prospects, you know, top 100 senior prospects on campus. So I think that was uh, probably a good thing for the basketball program. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to rub elbows with, you know, Draymond Green and Gary right. Harris and Jerry Jackson yeah. and these guys that have made it, you know, and that are in the NBA. Definitely uh, helpful to your program. Um, so, yeah, we saw Jackson Kohler. And I think uh, uh, Treyon Holloway was also there. He's the, yeah, the one yeah, he's the, one the 2022 commit. class. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was cool to see all those guys there. It was cool to see Zeke. It was cool to see the band back in action. It was cool to see the cheerleaders, the dance team, the students, everyone. It was just great to to have the Michigan state game day atmosphere back and back and the green and white chance back and forth. Although fans a little rusty there too, I must say, uh, but we'll get it figured out. It's been a while. So uh, it's a couple weeks now until we got back-to-back night games. We found out the Nebraska game is going to be a night game and then Western Kentucky's homecoming night game. Much, much to Matt's chagrin. Uh, on, uh, I saw you getting some heat on Twitter actually for complaining about game times there, Matt. Uh, well, they weren't, I mean, uh, I mean I don't care. <laughs> it's, I mean, I completely understand fan perspective. Like, yeah, watch if you like to watch a game at night. Cool. That's great for you. I don't because it's a job. Like you, if somebody told the average Joe who has a complaint, if I, if I don't like game times, Hey, your shift changed from being like whatever time to you'll be working from 4 PM till seven in the morning. How's that sound to you? No, it's, mm. I don't like, I'm just, I'm <laughs> complaining for myself. I understand there's a lot of appeal in night games. I totally get it. Um, you know, when, when I, if I have the, the rare ability to watch a game, which, you know, which I, it doesn't happen very often. It, it's yeah. Okay. It's on at night. Cool. Um, no, if it's a Michigan state game, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to complain about it. So. <laughs> well, Speaking of Michigan State game times that you can get on board with, uh, next week, this week, I should say, down in Miami, another big road game for Michigan State. Uh, let's move on to that. You guys just were just on a uh, press call uh, with Miami coach uh, Manny Diaz and some of the players. Um, but the game is on Saturday. It's down in Miami, Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, it's a noon kick. I believe it's on ABC. Uh, if you look at the series history, you know, as I said, Manny Diaz, second season, he's 15-11 overall. Um, uh, Michigan state and Miami have played four times. So not a lot. Most recently in 1989, it was a 26, 20 win, uh, in East Lansing for the hurricanes. Uh, I saw this line start at eight in favor of Miami. I think it's already down to six and a half, actually six Um, earlier six. Yeah. So over and under a 56 and a half. Uh, Matt, I was shocked when I saw this line or the spread as big as it was. And we already see that movement coming back Michigan state's way, which isn't surprising. No, you know, I thought it'd be a little lower than that, maybe six, five, something like that. But um, I, th- I think, I think Michigan State still, let, you know, has to prove that they they are like a you know a legitimate <laughs> team this year, and that what they the the improvements they made from last year to this year um, are significant enough to warrant um, 
them being considered in a higher light. And, and I, you know, I'll couch this with saying, I don't know anything about sports gambling. I know what a line is and that's about it. I don't bet. I don't have the app on my phone. I don't do any of that crap. So you're, you're asking the wrong person about, <laughs> about gambling in particular, but I was, I did think the line was a little higher than, than I than would have been start opening and not surprised to see it come down a couple of points. I think a lot the, of the only thing just, I always keep in mind with that is that they're not trying to predict the score so much. My understanding is they're trying to get equal number of amount of money on both sides, you know, so yeah. they, they, whatever reason thought that there was going to be more money on, uh, on Miami than they put it there, I guess. But I, 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 we're talking about just score. Yeah. I don't think Miami from what I've seen and Brandon, you've watched more of them than I have. I, Miami doesn't seem eight points better than Michigan state so far. I mean, yeah, obviously it's a lot hard to take anything away from their first game. If you don't remember, they, they got housed by Alabama, who hasn't. Um, but then uh, this week, you know, just a 25-23 win over App State. You know, I, I say just App State is obviously a really quality group of five team. Uh, they, you know, are a perennial powerhouse in the Sun Belt Conference. Watched most of the game, uh, you know, really even solid back and forth game. But if you want to get into Miami and you guys can sort of bring in uh, tidbits that from the press conferences, but you know, when you talk about Miami, the first thing you're going to look at is the quarterback. Like with most teams, that's Derek King. He's a transfer from Houston. He's in his second year in Miami, uh, suffered an injury last year and decided to come back. Uh, obviously a dual threat mobile guy. Uh, he struggles throwing the ball. I've, I've seen him multiple times, particularly since he's gotten to Miami. He's really struggled with throwing the ball. We did get a question. I think is a good place to start with Miami because it's going to be a key to the game. Uh, let's see. I'm wondering how concerned we should be about Miami's quarterback. That's Derek King getting outside the pocket. Seems like we Michigan state have not done a great job containing quarterbacks so far. Uh, I don't know if I fully agree that Michigan state hasn't done a good job containing quarterbacks, but I do agree that it's going to be, um, an important part of this game. Because like I said, Derek King, while he does have weapons in the passing game, he hasn't shown so far that he's able to, to really, uh, move the ball through the air. So, uh, I mean, how do you view that question, Matt? And how do you view the, the, the idea that Michigan state hasn't contained quarterbacks very well so far? Um, well, Northwestern, they did. Um, that wasn't, I mean, that wasn't much of a running quarterback, right? Hunter Johnson, um, Crenshaw on Saturday, he did, he did okay. You know, I don't, he didn't, well, it wasn't a terrible job defending him. What he finished with, uh, 18 carries for 69 yards on the touchdown. So, eh, you know, he's under four yards of carry. It's not bad, but you know, as far as in the past, I mean, I don't know, you go back to, um, Justin Fields last year. <laughs> I don't know if you, it's fair to compare Fields to King. Uh, although, um, you know, King is was promoted <laughs> as a Heisman trophy contender coming into the season. Um, but yeah, they had I remember a when Jordan time. Love was at Utah State and Michigan State yeah. had that opener and he had like 400 yards of total offense. But that was a while ago now, right? I mean, um, Jaden Daniels, I, yeah. I think, but you know, different defense, you know, everything's different. But um, so yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a difficult test. So um, somebody's got to keep an eye on him. And you know, they've just, you know, I, I haven't got a chance to, to it's not like I've watched their full games, um, but it was, you know, everybody's going to get beat by Alabama pretty much. So that's understandable, but you know, and, and not that app state's a bad program because it's not, it is a good program, but you know, 25, 23 over them, eh, you know, they're um, Miami's 110th in the nation in total offense, uh, 94th in rushing. It hasn't been pretty. I mean, 111th in scoring. It's like, it's not pretty. I mean, I watched the game, like I said, against app state and every, every yard they're gaining is like, 
it, it, honestly, it looks like Michigan State's offense used to look like just a slog. Derek King's like throwing in balls up, hoping his receivers, who, by the way, he does have two pretty good ones in Mike Carley and Charleston Rambo, also a four star above average tight end, Will Mallory, who hasn't really done anything so far this year, but he does have weapons on the outside. He just hasn't shown an ability to consistently throw the ball. And uh, Matt, I'll ask you or Kyle for your takeaways and talking to Manny Diaz about what he said about Michigan State in a second here. But uh, they also lost another weapon in the run game. And Don Chaney, who's a four star kid who's out for the year, who was hurt against App State. So you're looking at Cameron Harris uh, is their main running back. And also Jalen Knighton, probably who's another uh, four star sophomore who's probably going to move up in the pecking order um, that you could see some of him. But I would expect Miami to try and attack uh, Michigan State with a run game, but uh, I think that plays right into what Mel Tucker and Scotty Hazleton and the Spartans want to do on defense. Um, but Matt, what, what I know I was reading your tweets and Manny Diaz has some interesting quotes about Michigan State. I, I don't. Th- I think it's been a while since we've had a coach describe a Michigan State team as as explosive. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd first to put a wrap up the King thing. Um, you know, he had 19 runs last week, but uh, and we talked. Uh, Rhett Lashley, their OC, was was on on the call today too, um, and he was asked about that specifically, and and said, you know, some of them I think were kneel downs at the end of the game, so you can strike that from the total. Nineteen is is a good amount, but he said he said about four to five were called run plays, and maybe two or three were read option runs where he kept the ball. That leaves a quite a large gap to get to the the rest of them. So I don't know what happened there, but um, yeah, as far as the, uh, Manny Diaz today, he said, you know, Michigan State was playing. He thought as good as any team in the country. Um, he mentioned Kenneth Walker specifically, you know, being a difference maker, the wide receivers, um, obviously being explosive team speed. But, you know, he said he thought it was Peyton Thorne was, was the key to it all. So, um, yeah, I mean, to obviously when, when, when we're going, when we were going into this season, you look at the schedule, you, you just kind of looked at it and you're like, all right, you can mark an L, L on that one, you know, noon trip to play Miami. That's not going to go over very well. Um, but now, yeah, I mean, this is absolutely a winnable game. Um, you know, obviously it would be the toughest test they've faced this season, but uh, you know, they should go in there and, and definitely be competitive. They, if they're not, you know, that would be, that would be, a, it, that would be obviously be very disappointing. And I'd be surprised if they're not competitive. This doesn't, if, if they're not in, in this game in the fourth quarter. Fan apathy seems like Miami. It's it's high right now. I mean, I was watching that game against uh, against App State, and it was far from a full stadium. App State fans had a large contingent there. They were making noise when the Miami fans were on the field, or Miami offense was on the field. Uh, we know how many Michigan State fans are based in Florida. I know a lot of people are making the trip, myself included. Um, I think we could see a lot of green in the you know Michigan State green in the stands on uh, on Saturday and. Uh, you know, if if suddenly Michigan State fans start flocking in there and they can provide some spark behind them, I mean, this is 100% a winnable game for Michigan State right now because, yeah, it's a road game on an ACC team, but we know how Miami can be with supporting, you know, their college teams or even their pro teams. It's uh, a lot of show me what you've done lately, and if you haven't done much, things can get kind of ugly. Yeah, I, I was going to say what, what, you know, Matt was saying. It was, this game looks so much more winnable than it did. Um, at the beginning of the season and, and, you know, you can always pull an upset somewhere, but, um, you know, I thought they'd be lucky to be close to this game. Cause I thought Miami, you know, we bring him back a lot and was going to 
um, we're going to be a pretty good team and, and they still might be, but, um, you know, I, I get Alabama's Alabama, but I mean, they just got house there and, and, and Appalachian state, which we talked about, but it, it's come down to a game that, um, really you can start dreaming. I think if you're a Michigan state fan and think, Hey, you know, this is a winnable game. You get to three and oh, you know, you're sitting pretty good and it's looking like a pretty good turnaround here. And it's looking way more within reach based on what we've seen in the last couple of weeks than, than it did at the, at the beginning of the season. D- Matt, do you think that D-line rotation and the offensive line rotation, I mean, it's obviously going to be hot. It's September. It's noon down in Miami. Do you, do you think any of that, Mel, has sort of been looking ahead to this game? Like, we're going to need to be conditioned. We're going to need to have guys who can play in this heat. I mean, Matt, I, Matt, I, Matt I don't want to say he's looking this. ahead. Yeah, we had a – it was during fall camp practice or right near the end of fall camp when we went in for post-practice and the setup is in the uh, in the indoor football facility. Um, and they had the heat on that day. And so they practice in the morning now. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was maybe 70 something outside at that point in time when we get in there, but they had the heat on in the practice facility in August on a day where it ended up being like 90 degrees in the afternoon. So yes, they have obviously been preparing for, for some heat. Um, and the rotation, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, probably a little bit of it is, is the heat at, at Miami, but I think that's more that's more of a season thing. I think they want to be able to have depth if they, if they need to. And then what we saw last week with, you know, uh, Drew Jordan, Drew Beasley and Drew Jordan out, um, there was another defensive end lineman forgetting it. But either way, they had to go go deeper at defensive end than they even did in, in the first game. So, um, yeah, I think you'll just you'll continue to see that, I think, um, all, all year. Oh, Itavian Brown. That was the other one of the uh, top mm. the zone, So, Okay. Uh, let's see. Anything else on Miami or uh, should we make a pick and get out of here? Oh, a pick. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, you guys go first while I try to even think about it. Um, I, I'll go first. I, I see Michigan State keeping it close, like Matt said, being in it in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I think the magic's going to come to an end on the road in a very hot environment. Brandon shaking his head every, like he does every time I pick against Michigan <laughs> State. Uh, I'll say 30 to 27 Miami. I think Michigan State puts up a good fight. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do think that, you know, De'Ara King um, – uh, running, getting to the edge, maybe on Michigan State could be an issue. Um, and, you know, road game, ACC, tough environment. Um, I think they dropped this one, but are still in good shape overall for the season. Give me the Spartans, baby. They're, this is a shocking development, I know, but I'm I'm going. I'm going to be in the stands. Fifth row. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to bust out the basketball jersey for this one because it's going to be hot. Uh, but uh, give me the Spartans 31-21. All right. Well, I'm going to go 31-28 Miami. I'm going to stick with, for right now, I'm going to stick with what I had coming into the season. Because I picked them to win, beat Northwestern coming in. I obviously picked them to beat Youngstown State. They're improved, which I thought would happen. They're a little bit better. They're more definitely more explosive on offense than are better on offense than I thought they would be. But right now, I'll stay – I'll – I'll, I'll say they're going to, they'll, they'll be in it and it'll be close, but um, they won't be able to win this one. 31, 20. Yeah. And that obviously goes against what I said at the beginning of the year, because I had this as an L, but uh, I don't know. I'm probably drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm always going to drink the Kool-Aid, whatever we're doing it. I'm making the trip. We're going, we're calling the win. Let's go baby. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love these big games on the road, man. All right. I love these big cross conference games. Uh, Michigan state's usually always got one on the schedule 
you know, not having Notre Dame on the schedule every year is kind of a bummer now, but uh, at least it does open the door for some of these matchups that we don't really see uh, as much. So this the, alliance, like, the Alliance yeah. is going to make more of them. There you go. That's <laughs> what I was getting at. Yes, the Alliance, baby. Let's go. And we saw the Alliance in uh, in motion uh, this weekend. I think uh, the two commissioners sitting next to each other, both in Columbus and Ann Arbor, uh, for the two Pac-12 Big Ten crossover games. Uh, yeah, but when when weekend. will Miami make the return trip if they do? Because they were supposed to play in East Lansing last year. I've foiled for that possibility multiple times and have not received an agreement on. So we'll, well see. It if won't be next year because they're going to Washington, right? Next yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like. I mean, you'd be pushing this ball into the future or canceling something else. Yeah. Can I just say, too, I'm excited if they see Ohio State lose and maybe, maybe the Big Ten being a little more open this year and, and having a legitimate conference title race. I think it's a little early for that. It's still non-conference, but, you know, doors cracked a little bit. Absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. That was a very shocking result. Uh, and there were some other big results, too. I mean, Illinois getting housed by Virginia. Uh, we saw some other some other stuff go down as well. So, and Penn State and Auburn is this weekend too. That's another big cross uh, cross conference matchup that we'll have to keep an eye on. But uh, we'll be in Miami, or at least Matt and I will be. Kyle will be watching on TV, I'm sure. But uh, we appreciate everyone for listening uh, to today's episode of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Again, if you could please like, rate, and review the podcast uh, wherever you're listening. Uh, hit us up with your questions and comments. Uh, but we appreciate you for listening. Uh, so for Kyle Austin and Matt Wendell, I'm Brandon Chandler. This has been MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. See you in Miami. And go green.